0: Hey, everybody. My name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So before we get into what we're talking about this week, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening to my last episode on from up on Poppy Hill. I had more fun than I thought watching that movie, even if it is kind of just okay. But I also really enjoyed doing my kind of thought process into what a anime streaming monopoly could look like. And if you've been really liking the Sunday shows, the next Sunday show is going to be on How You Continue a Series because I've been watching Korra and also I've been watching the original Teen Titans since Avatar has been renewed into the streaming consciousness because Avatar The Last Airbender is out in its entirety on Netflix. I had to go hunt down and buy Korra to be able to watch it. But, um... Teen Titans is also available to stream uninterrupted all four seasons on HBO Max, and I've been going through that too. But that is not what we're talking about this week. This week we're talking about a the second film from Studio Ponoc, the, the studio that split off of Studio Ghibli once Studio Ghibli stopped making regular productions constantly and that film is a compilation film actually called Modest Heroes. So
1: let's get into it. 可愛い 野球好きの少年旬の唯一の敵は卵だった。母と少年の命のドラマ。なんで怖がるのわかっとるよ。でも尺じゃん。桃瀬義之<笑><笑> それとも... <laughs> 僕のことが... <laughs> now, just a little bit
0: of a programming note before we get into Modest Heroes proper. I am going to be going through each of the individual stories. There are three. There are three shorts in this in this compilation movie. I also wanted to talk about why a studio like Studio Ponoc would follow up their opening film, um, the the witch movie. I forget what it's called, but you can find it on Netflix actually. With uh, with a simple three piece compilation film that's much shorter. And much, um... it's much It feels much less ambitious than their first film. And, unfortunately, that's probably because their first film, from what I can tell, didn't do great. And their first film, while it had a lot of that Studio Ghibli flair, because it's not inherently from Studio Ghibli, it feels less... It had less of a magical feel to it, if that makes any sense. The good thing about the about mod the modest heroes compilation is it has a lot of that like baked in magic, and that is because it's specifically not attempting to be a like Studio Ghibli esque feature film. And I think that if there's any really big like meta narrative success out of this out of this compilation movie of this, um, Shorts compilation, it is that, that they have now messed around with three styles, told very very different stories, and shown in at least one of the cases, they can tell a really great grounded story, and now they just have to be, and now they just have to have the budget to make it last for longer than a couple minutes. But, which is a challenge and is why you see some studios release these compilation films because they can go to different creators and they can say, make us something that's like you know, five minutes long, ten minutes long, and they'll put it in a thing. Think of something like um, the compilation that is now on, on Retro Crush Memories has M- Magnetic Rose, one of the most enchanting <laughs> freaking... Pieces of animation, pieces of anime around. Um, Robot Carnival is another perfect example. Robot Carnival is a beautiful, beautiful animation compilation where one of the animations is just Kasiru Otomo being a weirdo about clouds for like five fucking minutes or something. So there is a... Upside to making compilations like this, but I think I think I would have preferred having five shorts instead of three. the reason why I say five instead of four is because it would have given them two more stories to tell to, room for to tell two more stories and I think there's really one and this happens oftentimes with compilation movies like this is that there's one that stands above the rest and I think the one that stands above the rest is life ain't gonna life ain't gonna lose which is the middle one whereas invisible and um Kanani and kan, and Kanani and Kanino and Kanani and Kanino the first short while they have great touches to them, they're less... They feel less like a full story, more like an experimentation. And while I think that's great, I would like the opportunity... The the rule is with portfolios, with art portfolios, is you start and end with your best stuff. Which means that... Because you want the person looking at your stuff to come in and see your best. And then leave and see your best. Everything else is a gradient and goes in the middle. I don't think that they started off with the best foot forward. I don't think they ended with the best foot forward in this compilation. If they had five, they'd have more room for middling okay stuff. And then they'd be able to start with something like life ain't gonna lose and end with something that was equally as good and interesting because and it's less the problem with the canino with the with the canini and canino, which is gonna drive me nuts um short which I'll get into in a second but the invi- the short the third short invisible it just seems. It seems like an animation like an animation challenge they wanted to give to themselves. and it doesn't have this the full feel neither it doesn't have the full feeling of something like of something like life ain't gonna lose because like I keep saying, I think that's the standout short in this. If you wanted to go and seek out one short from this to watch, that's the one I would watch. That said, let's get into the first short, Kaninin and Kanino, because while Life Ain't Gonna Lose is the standout, I think that this is the next best one. And that's because they have a lot of really clever design moments. They have a great idea of what a monster girl would look like in the Dragonfly Girls that this short opens up with and they do something that's pretty smart. Generally, when you use CG in anime, you're trying to compensate for not wanting, not, not wanting to draw mechanical designs every time. And when I say that, I mean, you see tons of terrible anime CG cars. You see tons of like just CG blocky things or you see, like, bad character CG that, like, rips you out of the show almost immediately. This isn't the case. What they do with the CG here is they... By texturing it the way they do and by using it for the scariest moments of the, of the short, like, when a fish shows up, they... G- they use the like sh- ru- they use the square peg in a round hole effect of that CG can have in anime to its advantage because the premise of the story is you have this crab is you have these crab people who are a family who live underground and um this at least this short there's all, in most of the shorts there's almost no talking but the, the this one has the crab people has crab people living below the surface and they use a lot of like crab biology rules to make a um situation where the mom's not around the mom is pregnant you find out in like the middle third of the short the mom is pregnant and she leaves to go to the beach and, ha- and have her babies so by the end of the th- by the end of the um short the mom comes back with new babies but in the middle you have and I love this you have crab dad and his two crab children and crab dad is like gruff and like manly, and the uh, and Kanin and Kanino, the two, the two brothers, are. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about the two brother trailer from Rick and Morty. God damn it! But the tr- the two brothers, um, <laughs> are these like crab hunting tribe kids, and in a water torrent, their father gets taken away from. They get, gets, basically drifted away from them. And they go on this journey where they find a dragonfly wing and they, you know, they hunt down their father. But at the end of this journey is this big, scary fucking fish. And, I mean, we've all seen fish. Generally speaking, they are not scary motherfuckers. But that's because we're the size of humans. We're not, like, the size of... Like, a gashapon toy, basically. And these... And at first, the father's like, no, don't come get me. Makes the, like, go away motion because he's he's injured and he's hiding from the fish that injured him because it wanted to eat him. And Kanina and Kanino, much like, actually, much like the video game brothers, it's true they're, like, little quest to go find their father have grown a lot and have learned a lot and they, you know, distract the fish with the dragonfly wing and they get to their father and they get their father out. I, but the reason why they get their father out is not because of them doing this successfully. The older... I don't know which one is the older one. I think it might be Kanino. Is it, like, ready to fight this fucking fish and he's, like a couple inches tall and the fish is coming for him and then all of a sudden like two almost chopstick ends come in and just like pluck the fish out of the water and you look up and the camera pans up and you see it's like a giant like pelican thing and you're like oh Circle of Life saves them not heroics but that's it's a fun little interesting short uh, Crab Dad is very good. The fi- the fish, when I say the fish is terrifying, the fish is terrifying. Um, <laughs> and I have, my last note is, Saved by Bird God. <laughs> but, uh, oh, and the other thing I want to say is that the opening dragons, like the Dragonfly Girls, have this very Fern Gully vibe, and if you've never seen Fern Gully, A, Robin Williams plays a rapping bat, with an electrode stuck to his head. It's a time. It is a very 90s pro-green movement time, and it... I like it, but it's... a is a weird-ass movie made from back when Fox were still making traditional animated features. But it... Ferngully also has a very specific vibe that's hard to nail, and the like, Moment with the Dragonfly Girls really nails that vibe. It was kind of impressive. Now I want to talk about the second short, or I think the best short, and that's Life Ain't Gonna Lose. And a lot of me liking this short is because I have a lot of the same experiences that this kid has. So what they what they do is they open up on a childhood... On a... On a children's like hospital wing, and you see all these kids that are being told to eat and they' and and you see these doctors running these tests, and you focus in ultimately on a mother and his and her young son. but the thing is that this whole short captured something really essential about. Growing up with some kind of impairment or disease as a child, it captures the like stress of being a mother with a child who can't, who can't be like everybody else. And I, as I'm sure you know, if you've listened to the show for long enough, I'm physically disabled. I've been physically disabled since birth, more or less, and this is. I saw in this short what I have seen in my own mother when I was a kid and didn't... And at the time, sure, I didn't really realize it, but as an adult, I look back on it and it makes sense to me. And that's a really hard thing to understand. This is by no means the first mo- movie to get that right about like a kid living with a med- medical condition and... The parents need to be, at least one of the parents need to be aware and proactive about it. If you want other examples, there's a manga series called Translucent that is amazing. And that's about a girl who has a disease, which in this version of, in this manga version of reality, you basically go slowly invisible and it follows your menstrual cycle. If you're a girl, if you're guy they don't really explain it but it follows your menstrual cycle and eventually you will go invisible and you'll like your skin will never come like the your body will never be visible again is the way that they posit it in the show and that in, in the manga rather and that's all about like that the girl in that the girl in that manga making friends falling in love all that stuff that's got about 4 volumes it's really good actually but the second the second thing is and i've talked about this before um a silent voice the character of the mother in that film is definitive is a really definitive and excellent display of what a mother of a disabled child is like. They will fucking run you over with their car if you fuck with their kid. And this this little short, Life think, I Lose, captures that perfectly in the character of the mother. But what it also does, and this is really specific, and the other two things I mentioned also do, is it captures the awareness of a child after a certain point of this is what it means to live with this ailment. Like, I have to watch out for these things. I have to be aware. And in this case, it's some kind of, like, general food tolerance issue where the kid gets, like, it's, like, definitely allergic to most, to some ingredient in most foods. And at first there's a scene where he, like, goes to his mother... And his mother is a dance instructor. So at first there's a scene where his mother goes to... Takes him to, like, her dance recital thing. And, And also, I should also say, this is... This short is almost entirely voiced, which I think helps it a lot. But the... His mother takes him to this dance recital because he's like, oh, can I go? And she's like, sure, I guess. But then she sees him, like, almost almost eat a cookie and freaks out. It's like, you could have died. Because that's how bad this thing is. And in the beginning of the short, you see all these kids, like, struggling to eat, not wanting to eat. You see this one girl who's just happy she'll be able to eat. She seems like she'll be able to eat school lunches with her friends again, which is like a touching, sad moment. But in this scene, it's specifically they had to put it in the kid's head, like, this is my reality. And this is what I need to think about. And then you have a scene where he's at home by himself, and he's got two parents, by the way. It's not like a single-parent situation, but they certainly focus on the mother. He, He... you get this scene later on towards the end of the short where he is by himself and he gets a thing of yogurt and he like picks up the spoon, puts it in his mouth and he like half remembers thinking this noise is bad for me. Looks on the back of the label, freaks out when he sees the, the ingredient list, runs and gets his like EpiPen thing and runs outside to try and get help. Calls his mom is like, Mom, I did something wrong. I fucked up. And his mom is like, I'll be right there. And he thinks he can make it to the hospital. So he, like, is running with the EpiPen. His mom, like, meets him at the stairs as he's collapsing. Or I think a neighborhood woman meets him at the stairs as he's collapsing. Sticks the EpiPen in, his, in like, his thigh. And he wakes up. As he's going into the as he's going as he's being like carted into the ambulance, in the beginning of this movie, he like loses the of this short he loses a tooth, and they have the they have a really great touch here that is difficult to understand unless you've been a person or have been. Related to a person who spends a lot of time in the hospital. The mom, like, looks and sees that he had got a new tooth growing in. And she's like, hey, your tooth is growing in. And it instantly snaps him out of this, like, constant fear that he... This, like, cycle of fear that he's stuck in. And he's like, oh, yeah. And it makes this, like, ambulance ride into this, like, very casual everyday thing and that's really important for growing up the way that that kid will grow up the way that I grew up is you need to you need to feel like it's your version of normal not like it's the world's definition of normal which I think and the like the way the world is now we're all learning that there is no definition of normal we just all thought there was so that's that is easily the best short in the bunch. If you're looking to watch one short from Modest Heroes, I would watch that one. It is phenomenal. Now, the last short is Invisible. And oh, and also, it's, it's this weird uh, the reason why I didn't mention it is because not super important. This is this weird moment where he's picky about eggs, but eggs are one of the things he can eat. So his mom keeps trying to feed him eggs and he keeps like freaking out at him. Because in they have a chicken coop at his school, and he's like, "I'm not eating something that came out of a chicken butt." And the end of the movie, him picking up an egg and turning it into a little samurai egg and putting it back in the chicken coop, and it's it very adorable. It's like very adorable. But the last the last short is really where I like I said in the beginning of this. Episode. It feels like a test of an animation concept, less more than a fully realized thing. And it's a short called Invisible, and you follow this invisible, this guy who is like permanently, permanently invisible. Kind of like the translucent thing I described. He is permanently invisible. He wears glasses. And they design this invisible man in a way where you can you can see him. You can't see his face, like the face is gone. It's it's a um it's a what's her face situation from um My Hero Academia. The um the invisible girl from My Hero Academia. It's one of those things. And so he's wearing clothes, he's like in a business suit and it turns out he works at a car dealership and the thing that this is trying to get across is that he is fundamentally ignored is that the invisible thing isn't just an affliction he is he is ignored by most people and he is dismissed by most people only because he's the point of view character for this short it creates this rather impressive portrayal of loneliness and of like what being a neglected person is like and the short end this whole short takes place during like an overcast and then rainy day and there's a scene where and I actually appreciate this a lot the scene where he's like sitting on sitting on a curb, and he's just had this like brush brush with death, basically, because the thing I haven't told you till now is he carries around this like tiny oxygen canister, and well, he never does anything with it, and you find out that that's the thing that gives him enough weight to stay on the ground. If he didn't have it, he'd float up into into the space and die, and he just like gotten so depressed that he's like I can't deal with it anymore. He throws away the canister and then he freaks out and he's like oh no I shouldn't have done that. I don't want to die. And he almost gets to it but then he doesn't. It blows away and but he gets this pickaxe basically. And so he's sitting on the steps down to a river with this pickaxe across his lap so he stays put and he just defeated and this old blind man comes up to him and the blind man has an umbrella and he's got a seeing eye dog and the seeing eye dog is interested in the invisible guy and the blind man goes that's unusual for you and the invisible guy's like you can see me he's like i can see you quite well it's fine don't worry about it and in that moment It's the best part of that short, because it is, for all intents and purposes, two people that society does not pay enough attention to. It is two basically disabled people that society is not equipped to acknowledge. Acknowledging each other and really seeing each other as they, like, pass like trains in the night kind of thing. And that's a really, that's a really interesting thing, and then it jumps from that into him saving a baby. What I kind of would have liked out of that short is to explore that more and to see him try and make himself seen by other people the way the blind guy saw him, because I will tell you, as a disabled person, as a physically, as a notably, noticeably physically disabled person, a lot of what I do as I go through the world is in order to make it easier for other people to not see my disability and to see me. Because what people see when they see a disabled person is they want to ignore them. They want to push them to the side and pretend they don't exist. But when they see a person first and the disability second if at all then they see they see the actual person you are acknowledged in a way that is not willful ignorance and I think that just the like yes him saving the baby at the end is self-affirming but I think that the more interesting thing was when he was sitting with the blind guy and I know that was used as the emotional catalyst for him to like have enough confidence to go save a baby from a, from getting run over by a truck. But it was the end was not as strong as the middle for that short. Although the water effects on like his skin as like the water goes down. Now you have like this like matrix of water droplets to focus on was really interesting. And so, like I said, this, this, and this is probably going to end up being a shorter one, but like I said, this is a difficult. It, it, sh- Animated short compilations can be difficult to pull off because they all need to hang together. And I don't think that the Modest Hero things hangs together. And I noticed that this was volume one which means they want to add more on to this, what I would have done is I would have, I don't know if they can do this now or if they had done this, I would have at very least picked stronger shorts for the first and second one. I would have actually put invisible in the middle. And the reason for that is because I think invisible fits with the... I would have put... I would have actually opened up with Invisible, with, with not um with life ain't gonna lose, cause that's a really upbeat short, and I would put Invisible net as the second one, cause it's it's okay. The interesting thing is about him and the other disabled guy acknowledging each other, and then I would have followed up with something that is tangentially related to the first to Invisible and to Life ain't gonna lose and then you'd have a much better feel of a compilation. The thing about a, a compilation like Robot Carnival is it is about primarily robots. Even, even Kasiru Otomo's weird like thing about clouds is about robots. So they all fit together and they all hang together because they're all about the same thing. This feels like a bunch of animated shorts you can look up on YouTube independently of each other, and it, it doesn't much matter. And I think that's unfortunate, because Studio Ponoc has a lot of skill there. They're just not... They're not quite catching the the... The, like, needle isn't catching the record quite yet. And... I think that it will eventually. I think they'll figure out their groove and they'll make something really great and beautiful because both in um, the Merry Witch thing, I forget what it's called, um, and this, there, there are beautiful pieces of animation. They just need to get the story nailed down so it doesn't... So that your first thought isn't that they are from Studio Ghibli originally, that makes any sense. So their first movie felt like a studio, felt like a off-brand Studio Ghibli movie, quite frankly. And this movie, this compilation short, feels fundamentally different, and it feels like it has its own artistic voice, which is great. But the stories just, with the exception of once again. Life ain't gonna lose just don't feel they don't feel good enough entirely and i I hate to say that they just don't feel good enough, and because they don't feel good enough but also because they don't have a unifying thing, they don't hang together in a way that makes you wanna you know go watch this whole thing. And on that note, I think this is where I'm going to end it, but I have been Alex, and if you like the program, you can subscribe to this podcast in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. I release new weekly episodes every Thursday with a Sunday edition every Sunday, so you can look forward to both of those. If you want to help the podcast, you can give me a five-star rating wherever you're listening, although iTunes 3つの奇跡の物語 the most. But until next time, I will talk to you on Sunday with my episode about continuing
1: the series. 可愛いなんで答えかの夏 3